The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome everyone, all you indigenous spirits, and I know you're intentional because of the way you send comments and interact with our show and talk to the various guests that we have. As you know, we have such a wide range of people that we host uh, from all over the world, and they're offering us tools. I, I love to live in the world of tools rather than rules. Uh, rules live us and keep us in an old paradigm where tools offer us the freedom and the possibilities of what we can emerge into. And speaking of tools, I tell you, imagine an author that has a book that kind of likens to what I say all the time about going big and being intentional. You know, you know she's awesome because guess what the title of her book is? Undoubtedly awesome. So how's that? Ann Tucker, welcome to our show today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Well, it's a it's a pleasure. And, and one of the things that we talk about often on this show is, is in alignment with, of course, uh, many things that you're going to offer us through this hour segment. But we talk about the clear distinction between people who are intentional and people who have good intentions. Good intentions often are measured by what's going on outside. You know, example, resolutions. You know, I'll be able to do this when, or sorry it didn't work out because I meant well, but I had problems. Where an intentional spirit just keeps moving through. And the very fact that you're an author and the very fact of the different things that you're offering to help people is a strong indicator to me that through kind and unkind realities, you have discovered what it means to be intentional. Could you... Tell us something about your story, um, how you got started, how you were shape-shifted into um, wanting to be a change maker for people in the world around you. Oh, you bet. Yeah, and, and I love your distinction between intentional and, and be in the external, internal, internal version of being intentional. Um, that, you know, I started out in the business world. Um, I was a negotiator for Microsoft, and then I went into executive coaching from there. And I was always focused on on uh, decision-making, right, because I was a negotiator, and then I was coaching executives. And, and that, that critical piece of behavior I looked at was always decisions because it, it is such a critical thing that it's such a great window into how people create in the world. Um, but it, it was really uh, – I got to a place where I – um, was really feeling I'd had a lot of success in my life, but it was sort of this 
little small tight ball of success and it always felt like there was something blocking me and I was trying to figure out what was that and I was struggling with it and it it really sent me on my own personal journey and through that process and it was through the process of working through that while I was working with clients and working with people I started to see how this path I was going on around decisions how it opened up to so much more it opened up such a bigger window and I realized what I was really looking at was how people create in the world how they express their soul types and there was all this depth and meaning in there for me and I felt called to take it to a a much more personal and spiritual level that's really cool and of course because you're doing it um, then there's a benefit and I think that everyone listening today um, and those that are joining live can really identify with what, what you're talking about I know that often I always say if we could see in, you know, in shamanism, um, I sense things more than I see them. But if we could see, if we could see a small tree and we had that capacity to see the energy field, or if you will, the template of that, we could literally see how that tree is going to wind up when it's full grown. Do you know what I mean? I I do, Absolutely. And I'm I'm so with you because and I the way you voiced it for me is very different than how I've heard it said before. Is that I feel that way sometimes about myself. I feel this other field that I'm growing into, but and it's almost like this, you know, this ongoing conversation like come forward, you know, step forward, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. more. And it's interesting. Sometimes it feels very welcomed. Like, yeah, of course, you know, that's the, that's the way it is. And other times there's this personality jumping in there going, oh, geez, you know, I, I don't really want to, or I, I can't really see that, you know, that would, <laughs> that would be, uh, for me. And, and that's what I love about your work because you're, you're really teaching people how, how doubt, uh, being one of those things, um, yes. how it really affects our lives and it, it keeps us, going through this loop of anxiety because anxiety is is often when we feel in a stagnant pattern, correct? And we oh, it's so true. Yeah. Growing like the tree, but we're in our own way. That's absolutely, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think it, it really is, and I love the description of the tree and how you can see it when it's full grown because I think it does feel at times that that there is this, this uh, version of yourself or this path that you're supposed to be on, but there's something about us or something about where we are right now that's preventing us from getting there. And, you know, in my book, I talk about flow a lot. I talk about how, um, you know, that, that, that ability to achieve flow when you're sort of working with the universe, working with God, working with spirit to try to get where, you're, where you want to go and it feels like everything's sort of aligned and helping you on your path. And what is it that takes us away from that? And it is that, that feeling of anxiety, the feeling of doubt where we start to second-guess everything we do and we're too stuck in that you know, analysis, too stuck in our head, and it pulls us back and pulls us away from it. So we end up feeling like you know, what's missing, that feeling of, of feeling generally unfulfilled, um, uh, you know, pulling against the ropes around us, trying to figure out how can I, how can I break free. And, but the, the real truth of it is it's, it's that the actual the process of feeling the doubt, feeling the anxiety that's, that's pulling you out of the flow. And where uh, would would we say that um, the doubt is coming from the uh, emotional body? I know that metaphysically speaking, yeah. Um, if I were to talk about because we, you know, our whole premise is 
uh, there's a power that's greater than we are. We can use it. You know, yeah. it, it, everybody calls the power something different. It matters more, not what you call it, but what you believe about it. Right. So we right. can call it divine consciousness. We can call it creative intelligence. We can call it father, mother, God. We can call it God or whatever. But when we when we talk about that, because in, in a lot of traditional teaching, uh, they're always saying, you know, there's something out to get you and there's something working against you and there's uh, something in a red suit with a fork and watch out and, you know, <laughs> open, you know and all right. of that. But if, if we right. were to talk about part of our shadow self, right, because I, I yeah. think that there's some some wisdom in that. I think it's the way it's presented that's like, well, for intelligent people, we would question that. But there's yeah. some wisdom, right? So when you're talking about doubt, if I were to say there's something working against me, it's the very nature that I have never or have not taken the time to make peace with my emotional body. Is that, right. are we kind of on the on the same page about, not that we have to be, but I'm thinking that, as part of what you're talking about, because we're carrying this layer of doubt that we might immediately, if somebody asks us, so, you know, I'm running this party, I'd love you to be the speaker, and the immediate answer, the personality, the emotional body is, no, no, uh, no, thank you, I'm not interested. <laughs> can't do it, can't do it. Right. You know, it's interesting. I, yeah, I do agree that there's, because there's, there's, I mean, there's layers to this, right? There's the, the beliefs that we carry, um, the feelings that we have, the sort of, you know, emotional baggage that gets stuck in our energy field. But the thing that, that is what I'm doing in, in this book is trying to show you how many cases, when you end up experiencing doubt, it, there's something that you can do that's very tangible, that's very practical, and a place where you can access it that's re- readily available to you. And and what it is is that is that when you're making choices, a lot of the times we get really hung up, we get really hard on ourselves, and we we, we have this idea that there's there's one thing, one choice that's going to be the right choice. It's the, that's the, the choice that's going to make us happy, and that it's our job to find what that choice is. Right? That, that we're gonna we're gonna have to do enough analysis to be smart enough or good enough or or whatever it is that's gonna there. So we're gonna be able to find the right thing. And if we don't find it, well then we've failed and it was us and we didn't do it right. We weren't smart enough. We weren't good enough. And so we get really tied up around this idea of picking the right thing. But but the truth is is that when you start looking at the process, and it really is about the process that you're using to make choices, at the end of the day, and when you're looking at all these different choices, among the things that you pick from, if you've got your list narrowed, narrowed down to two or three things, any one of those things has the capability of making you happy. They all have good things and bad things about them. There's no one that is the perfect right choice. And what ends up making the difference at the end of the day is not what you choose. It's actually how you choose it. So the process is more important. And that is really counterintuitive to the, to the way we've always thought. We always think, no, I have to pick the right thing. Well, yeah, you have to do a good job of sorting through your options and find two or three good things. But then whether or not you fall in love with what you pick and whether or not you really get out of that doubt is the process that you use. And that process is different. Your natural process, something that you were born with, essentially that you call it, I call it your soul type. This is how you manifest in the world. And it varies with each of us, but that process, when you're true to your process, you don't experience doubt. Your decision goes smoothly, you come to the end, and you love it, and it works well, and all of your energy is going in the same direction. 
when you fall out of natural sync with that process, when you take too much information from the external information or too much internal uh, gut feel, when you get out of balance, then that ambiguity creeps back in. You end up in doubt and your energy is scattered all over the place and your decision ends up just not working as well and you end up feeling that doubt and it pulls you right out of flow. I love that, Anne. And as you're talking, I'm also um, having this sense about, you know, the first uh, few years in our development uh, from from baby to a few years old, we do feel very comfortable in um, multi-choices. We do feel very comfortable in looking at things multi-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're trained. We become programmed. We become, as I liken to in my book, we become robotic because, and part of that is you're saying that, I was having this visual of wouldn't it be wonderful if if they would change the whole way that they do a lot of tests in school, you know, from first grade on about the multiple choices, you know, and that <laughs> yeah. D on occasion would say, and any of these would work out fine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you're, you're right. I mean, we're literally, we're giving options and we're teaching children, you have options, but oh, by the way, uh, there's only one answer and that's the right one and that's going to get you some kind of illusionary ticket to something. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, that's exactly it. We're so right. We're so like into that level of doing it right, um, I think it was Covey that used to say, Stephen Covey, there's a big difference between doing things right and doing right things. And oh, my I, gosh, that, yes. Isn't that powerful? And that's very profound mm-hmm. because that's what you are talking about. And because so many people are are, are almost hung up with, i got to do it right, i got to get it right, i got to marry right, i got to mm-hmm. do this right, i got to blah, blah, blah. That yeah. They're so stuck on the doing it right about the one thing that often yeah. they never even ask themselves, is it mine to do, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's really, really true. And I think, you know, I think when we're really caught up in that cycle of worrying about whether or not we're doing the right thing, if you think about, if you think about, you know, your thoughts create your reality, your thoughts become things. So your thoughts have all this creative energy, creative power. And as you're thinking about, well, is this the right choice or is this the wrong choice? When you're really confident in your choice, when you're really sure that you've picked the right thing, then all of that energy, all that creative power, that decision that you made acts like a, like a prism, right? And it takes all that energy and it focuses it through that prism and points it like a laser beam in the direction that you're trying to go. And all of your creative power is pushing you in that direction. So you're harnessing all of your energy, right? So when you do that, well, guess what? The thing you chose is more likely to work out because you're pushing all of your energy towards it. But when you're pulling back and you're you're going through that, that process of beating yourself up, going around in circles, should I have picked the other thing? Or maybe I took the wrong turn, or maybe I should have gone to the different, you know, school or job or spouse or whatever, then then some of your energy is leaking out in another direction. Every time you have those thoughts, your energy is going in all of these other places. And it may be that only a tiny portion of your energy is going towards the choice that you made. It may be only a fifth of your energy or less. So if you're leaning out of that choice, then it just you have a lot less of your creative power is going forward. And so it's much less likely that the thing you chose is going to work. So in a sense, you're creating a failure. You're creating it for yourself. 
where in, in, in pulling yourself and making the experience much less pleasant. It keeps you from, from experiencing that sense of loving your decisions. And all of us know that what I'm talking about in terms of when you've made something or made a choice and loved it and what that feels like. Like when you bought a car or you bought a, a pair of pants or whatever it was and you said, oh my gosh, this is just the pair of pants I've been looking for all this time. And you bring them home and you feel great about it. And every time you put them on, you feel fantastic, right? And that's, that's falling in love with that choice. And there's no friction around that choice at all. But then there's the other, other time that you, you go to the store and you buy a new appliance and you bring it home and you're not really sure and you maybe you should have bought the other one and, and then you keep finding faults with it and you keep seeing ads for other ones and wishing you had bought that and, and pretty soon it's, you're finding that you appreciate it less, it's working out less well, maybe you wish you could return it, right? You're leaning out of that choice. All your creative power is working against you. So it's, it is, I think, that idea of how can you, can you work with yourself, learn to harness your own energy, and, and it does, does come down to, and that's the, the thing that is so magic, I think, is that it comes down to knowing your process. And that process that we each use, it's, it's, it's pretty invisible to us, right? When you're born with it, it's something you do from birth, and in the same way that it's really hard for you to remember how you brush your teeth, because you just do it automatically every day, it's hard for you to remember how you make decisions, because you've been doing it since birth. It's just something you do, and we think everybody else does it the same way that we do, but they don't, right? You do it your own specifically. You have your own process, and in the book, in Undoubtedly Awesome, it shows you, gives you a little survey you can take, and it'll show you the specific process that you're using, so it brings you that self-understanding. And I want to remind everyone that you can go to UndoubtedlyAwesome.com and you can um, follow through with what our guest today, Ann Tucker, is saying about the questionnaire, the survey. It's right there online, very accessible to you and very, very powerful stuff. We're getting a a number of comments and um, our friend Elizabeth from Norway says she loves those pair of pants. (laughs) (laughs) She used that process, but we're talking today to the extraordinary Ann Tucker, who has a tremendous background in business, corporate America, and she is offering great tools for us to use and how to be in the flow and how to understand the flow and how to be more uh, successful and and in a greater way, well-rounded, I guess one would say. And she also has a website called Wisdom Soup, uh, wisdomsoup.com. So you want to definitely check both of those out and, and learn more about Anne because she certainly has a lot to a lot to offer. Um, so when you talk about in, in your book that you're going to show us um, or walk us through different stages of decision making, is that something simplified? Could you give us an overview? Is it easier for people to do online or can we actually do it now? Sure. You mean, do you mean go through what the different uh, soul types are, or do you mean the yes. actual process? Yes, because, you know, we have such limited time on radio. I just wanted to see if we yeah. have time to delve into we that. We do. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And, and so one way to think about it is, um, so in my book, I describe seven different soul types. And um, the way I like to think about it is, is um, you know, if you imagine way back when, before there was nothing, right? That there was there was God's spirit universe by itself. And this is a, a metaphor, but let's imagine that it wants to understand itself better, and the only way to do that is by dividing itself into many pieces, so it can compare itself to each other. So let's say that it divides itself into seven different pieces, seven different creative aspects of itself, and each of us gets one of those pieces, one creative aspect of source. It's our gift, our creative gift, how we manifest. 
That's really and then, Yeah, and then if you imagine that every problem that you face is a seven-sided figure, and each side has its own door. So we each have one key into one of those doors, right? One way into the problem. And this is our favorite way to access the problem. So when we approach any problem, any whether it be what to eat for breakfast, all the way up to, you know, how to solve world hunger, whatever problem we're facing, you're going to come at it with this same key. And you're going to be looking for that same door in, that same doorway into every problem you... And this is going to be from the time of birth up until now. This is how you're going to approach your problem. And each of us, so that particular key that you have is your creative gift in the world. And the it's going to be different for each of us. So, in, And the way that it unfolds, there is sort of a, 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 a wonderful synergy about it, is that each of the different soul types plays a different role in problem solving. And all of us are capable of solving a whole problem by ourselves. But... Each, if you put us all together, it becomes this much more cohesive. It's like, this is like why it's so marvelous to come together as a group to solve problems is because it really is bringing back together sorts. We're bringing all seven aspects of problem solving back together as one. So we have that feeling of unity when we're, when we're working together as a group. Um, and the, the ways that if you look at these seven different shapes, they come in at different different aspects of the problem. So the first first aspect would be, okay, now you've got a problem, let's figure out a solution. And the soul types that are best at figuring out the solution are called what I call the optimizing soul type and the learning soul type. And I can tell you more about those later. The second aspect is coming, when you're coming, you've got a solution now, now you need a plan. So that's when our, our efficient souls and our coaching souls come in. And then you need to get aligned, and that's when our expressive souls come in. You know, get everybody aligned around the problem, around the solution, and start moving forward. And then you need to get everybody up and moving, and that's when your experimenting and collaborative souls come in, and that's their best way into the problem. So each of us is best at one of these aspects. This is this is the particular gift that we're bringing, and, and it brings certain strengths with it, and it also brings certain weaknesses. But a key thing to know is that the specific gifts of your soul type, if those, if those gifts aren't expressed in your work, in your life, that can lead to that real lack, that feeling of... of of emptiness, a lack of fulfillment. What am I doing with my life, right? Whereas if you're in a role where you're able to really express these creative gifts, that's when you start to love your work, you start to love what you're doing. So it's really important to know this about yourself, to know what this inherent gift is and to, to really identify it. Wow, I love that. And you've been using that throughout the country, have you not? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, on, on uh, not only with, you know, originally, and I did actually originally used this with my clients in, in you know, big companies all over the country, um, uh, but it's, it is now, I'm bringing it more out uh, with the book, launching it on a much broader scale and sharing it with, with people more broadly, um, which has been a lot of fun, you can imagine. So, and, and it is, if you'd like, we can go through and I could tell you specifically to get more in depth about what it is, an aspect of a soul type, as I could tell you your soul type now, if you'd like to go through it with me. Well, of course. I mean, if our audience is interested and they want to hear about well, what my soul code is. <laughs> if you're willing to be the guinea pig. <laughs> oh, I'm always willing. Are you kidding? I'm like a, a guinea pig, a guinea pig in action. No problem, of course. And I, I think it would be beneficial to others because um, I just love tools to work with. I'm all about I'm all about the yes because um, they're tools and they're very they're very effective. Um, and I love learning all the time, which is why I, I do this show. Quite frankly, is because I love learning from um, 
the audience. I love learning from the guests because that's that's what it's all about. So I'm getting some affirmative yeses out there in the field. So let's go for it. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for your bravery. <laughs> so okay. So well, I've got uh, three short questions. I've worked this out. The the, the finding your soul type. I can break it down to literally three questions because the way that I've organized the questions and organized it as a flow chart. So we can do this very quickly. And the first question for you is: In general, do you make decisions slower than other people that you know, or faster than other people? So if you think about your, if you think about your spouse or a friend or a business coworker, which one of you orders more quickly at lunch? Which one of you can decide? things more quickly i would be faster you're faster okay so um then the next question would be when you're telling a story about your day if you're just meeting somebody at the grocery store are you going to um give them the facts and the details about what happened or are you going to tell them how you feel about it how it affected you uh, your emotions are you going to include that in the story Oh, yeah. I'm going to do number two. I'm going to do the big picture and the overview. (laughs) And the whole thing, how you feel. Okay. Okay, great. So, and then the last question for you is, in general, um, you you probably get excited about both of these, but which one excites you the most? Um, Finding new solutions, so coming up with creative solutions to problems, or are you more interested in communicating to other people and, and influencing and persuading others? Which one is more exciting for you? Uh, creating new solutions. Thank you for finding new solutions. Okay. Um, and so would you say you're a pretty visual person then? Do you tend to, to be uh, highly visual? Very much so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you are what I would call the optimizing soul. And so I'll describe this to you and you tell me if this fits. So in, it sounds in optimizing like water systems. <laughs> what? What was that? It sounds like some kind of water system or something. Right. <laughs> I missed my well, I, call as a comedian. Sorry. I, uh, there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now the the optimizing soul. So what this would say about you is that um, is that you your particular gift would be on this idea of figuring out solutions, and you would be doing it with an extremely innovative and creative approach. So always looking at solutions that are out of the box, putting together um, existing things in entirely new ways. So it would mean that you would have a very non-linear thought process. So rather than going from A, B, C, D, like most people do, you would go A, C, to M. And you would be connecting the dots in a way that for you, like you would, would it would make perfect sense to you and you would know exactly where you were going. But for other people, they might need a while to catch up. And it would be because your uh, decision process would work like a, like a gust of inspiration where you would come across a problem and then all of a sudden you would have this really an intuitive inspiration, an idea of how the solution would work. And, and in your mind, it would come to you as a visual and you would be projecting yourself living in that. As soon as you got this idea, you would fall in love with it and you'd be living in that future space from that point on. This thing that you want to create is already done in your mind. And then your decision process, rather than thinking through and comparing things like most people do, going through an option A, option B, looking through the positives and negatives, you would take a little shortcut and you would just look for just enough confirming information about the thing you want to do just to make sure that it's possible, right? Even if there's some news out there that says, mm, sometimes this might not work, you'll look at the good things and say, it's possible for someone, that means it's possible for me, and you'll be off and running and working to create your idea. 
And what this does, your process, that process of, of the shortcut would enable you to, and by living in that future state, it allows you to create these more outside-of-the-box ideas and to manifest them without being stuck as much in the cycle of doubt, even though that sometimes can affect you later on after you've gotten through the decision and then you think back, hmm, maybe I should have listened to that negative information. <laughs> does this sound like you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I I love the way you're you're putting it in a, a frame of reference because um, just because my style may be influential and being a visionary and all those kind of things, I have truly needed to learn uh, how to also incorporate the people that need the A, B, C, and D. I've also yeah. needed to learn how to articulate to a large tribe of people, you know, thousands of people. That, oh, by the way, it appears to you like I made this decision overnight when actually I've been thinking about this and processing it for a very long time. And I love the way that you're languaging things because it's it's once again how we are in relationship, how we are in relationship with one another as couples or with large groups. It's so important to I mean, the whole thing is about there's not the way or the only way. Right. But it's about how to align together. Um, And some other people are saying that they're very interested in knowing what their um, soul number, soul code is. And so um, reach out to Ann Tucker and go to uh, undoubtedlyawesome.com, her website, and and follow through with that. Because it is very helpful to kind of understand um, these styles, especially if you're if you're working with other people in corporations and in organizations, because they, you know, they need to, to know where you're, you're coming from. It took uh, a few years for everyone in community to kind of understand my style because it, yeah. you know, it would be shocking. You know, I'd go to a board meeting and say, guess what? And, oh, here's what <laughs> we've done. They're like, what? You know, I had no idea you were even thinking about that. And I said, oh, yeah, about nine or ten months, you know. <laughs> for the first time. So I want to give you time for to process it, and I want to give those people the opportunity that need to to have the information filled in, you know, that kind of thing. But it, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. I just, I absolutely love uh, what you're doing and 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 what you've done to really make make a difference. And and these soul types lead to um, a tremendous um, communication. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I want to thank all of you who who participate at templehaze.com and uh, follow on, on Twitter and Instagram and those different things. And I just appreciate um, all of you so much. You just um, light up my life. What can I say? Um, it's just really a, a blessing to serve you in, in any way that's possible because we're all learning on this incredible intentional spirit um, journey together. We're just finishing the touches of our our uh, first launch of our television show and we'll be coming out with that very soon. So stay tuned. Our first guest is James Van Prague, and you'll be hearing more about that later. Um, also, with our guest today, Ann Tucker, you want to go to undoubtedlyawesome.com as well as wisdomsoup.com. We thank all of you for your contributions on Unity Online Radio, and we've also made it very easy for you to give. You can just text it right from your phone. Go to Unity. Dot fm to find out all the information because we appreciate what you do for us and we appreciate because of you our show is all over the world we'll be right back after this short break 
notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. We just like to take a short break and get a glass of water and come back strong. <laughs> and Tucker is our guest today, and she's talking about how that ongoing doubt, it, it really affects our life, and it it, it keeps us in that loop of anxiety. Um, it often, it, I, I would say it holds a lot of people back from achieving some of the dreams that are that are possible. And um, I've, I've been a speaking coach in addition to my other um, things that I do. I've been a speaking coach for, I don't know, maybe 25 years now. But wow. it's, it's very interesting of how many people I meet uh, that so many of their voices need to be heard, their spirits need to be recognized, and yet it doesn't appear that they're ever going to step out there because yeah. they are so in doubt, because they're living in perfectionism instead yeah. of making a, a connection. So many of them have said to me, you know, when I don't have any problems, you know, I'm I'm going to go into ministry or I'm going to, become a public speaker, and I always say, I'll see you in the afterlife. Maybe you'll be able to get classes there, right? That's, that's not what it's about at all because um, we're all in process at, at any given time. Um, that is the biggest thing is that of uh, people doubting that they have what it takes. It's one thing to doubt it all along and still show up. It's another thing of the people that aren't willing to show up at all. How do you address those individuals? We have so many sacred healers and leaders out there that won't work through that one nudge, like the kid yes. that jumps on the roller coaster. What is that, and what can we do about it? You know, it's an interesting thing. I, I can definitely understand and relate to what you're saying because I think, you know, throughout my life having made choices that really pushed me out of my comfort zone, one of the biggest ones was leaving executive coaching, right? I I had spent a lot of time and a lot of energy building a career that was, you know, with all of the, in terms of all of our, our typical world things, what are we what are we supposed to be pursuing in this world? I had built something that was was a real accomplishment. And then leaving that behind to start Wisdom Soup and to work on the book and to do all these other things that were as a much more personal calling, boy, absolutely, there was, you know, lots of fear and lots of worry about these things. And, you know, I think that there... There is a lot of us think that that there will come a time, or that we we aren't supposed to move until we're sure, right? Until there's until we have our courage is at a hundred percent. And and the truth is is that I think no matter what you're doing, none of us are here fully baked. <laughs> we're all here because we're learning. We're all here because we're growing. 
and the process, that process of, of being afraid and stepping into the fear rather than resisting it is part of how you get into flow. It's, 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 that is, that's it, right? Facing the fear and, and being courageous doesn't mean not having fear. Being courageous means being afraid and doing it anyways. And so I think it's about changing our expectations about what the journey is going to be like. And, and looking at it and saying, no, the point of the journey is to be afraid. <laughs> the point of the journey is to stretch yourself and to do things that you feel called to do and to do them even though they're scary and even though it, it takes a ton of, of faith and it takes that leap and it, it's going to make you have some sleepless nights. And I think that's that's part of it. And And looking at... You know, in terms of how you make the choices, how can you help yourself to make it easier? How can you help yourself to make it so that you feel more confident about the choices that you make? Well, looking at your soul type and understanding where that doubt tends to affect you. You know, for some of us, it's really going to affect them on the beginning of the decision, on the, de- the beginning of the choices, whether or not should they step out, they're going to be really caught up in, and unable to take those initial steps. And, you know, when, when that's the case, they can really look at, how can they narrow down their options? How can they limit their ambiguity by exposing, narrowing down that, that original decision window? So not looking at more than three to five choices at a time. You know, how can they, how can they contain it so that they don't wind up experience so much of that fear? You know, and for others, it's going to affect them more on the back end as they're going to immediately get up and start running towards it. And they're going to get halfway there and then think, oh my gosh, maybe I made the wrong choice. Maybe I did the wrong thing. You know, and for them, it's a, it's a different set of recommendations. It's look at, at how committed are you to your decision, right? Did you fully commit or are you only halfway in? Are you still keeping them on plan B in your back pocket? Are you still looking at all their alternatives? Are you still shopping, right? So, so there's different, different recommendations I would give depending on your soul type. But I think the fundamental thing at the big, at the, at the bottom of all of it is to, to come to terms with this idea that, that, Fear is part of the equation, and it means you're doing it right. Yeah, and I, I was just thinking, I'm, I'm so much enjoying um, being with you today because I'm kind of processing as we go along, and, and I don't always have the opportunity to do that. But mm-hmm. the, the interesting thing that's coming up for me is that, you know, I can remember, um, I mean, I'm still growing up, but my most significant growing up time, you know, in my adolescence and into that, you know, first love kind of energy. I mean, Mm -hmm. initially when we're in our youth and we get those butterflies and we can't sleep at night, we toss all night long because we're thinking about, you know, Tommy or Julie or Mary or (laughs) or whatever you happen to be thinking about. Um, can't sleep and you have these tremendously vulnerable and awkward feelings for some reason we seem to know that that's natural and we're supposed to have those now what Mm -hmm. is it then that happens to us that we start then when we have those feelings about oh i would love to stand in front of a room and speak oh i have butterflies and oh i'm getting uncomfortable and oh it would keep me up all night I must not be meant to do that. When does that switch go off? Because that is an interesting thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because it that's really how, is. That's how we identified initially with when we were really attracted to someone was because of those very things. Um, right. 
Right. It's really true. And it's the more that you want it, the more you feel led, the more that you get that feeling of anxiety, the more you read into it, you know, that the things that make you feel fear. Yeah. So everyone out there, be grateful that you didn't let those butterflies stop you because, you know, a lot of you wouldn't have co-created and (laughs) right (laughs) Right. journey that you had. So I I think what uh, we're clearly saying it's just because you have butterflies and just because you have that that sense of anxiousness does not mean at all that it's not yours to do. It could be the very thing that you're being called to do, and it won't settle into your life until you do it. You know, um, I was in, in ministerial school, and I would ask the teacher not to call on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Oh, Absolutely. my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you know it's an interesting thing. I, I think you know one way of looking at it is to think that when you're when you're looking to do something that you really want to do, but you have that feeling of anxiety, that fear, that worry, that it may be because that that process, that creative energy that you're inspired to bring into the world has so much power to it. And that power feels like the butterflies. It feels like, you know, it's where you're whole, so you get the nervous sweats, you know, whatever it is, is that creative energy. And it's so powerful that we fear it. But if you're able to work with it, if you're able to release it into the world, you know, and by being courageous and allowing it to flow through you, well, then you can create what it is that you want to create. But understanding that if you can just rename it in your head, that this isn't fear or weakness that you're experiencing, this is enormous power that you're experiencing. And it just feels weird. And think of it like love, and you just need to let it flow out. Um, I'm sure along the way you've uh, had a person or two, and I'm sure lots of people have told you something significantly about the work. Uh, that they've learned through reading your book. And again, we're talking about the book and the website, and it's undoubtedlyawesome.com. Undoubtedlyawesome.com. You can actually put, you know, Ann Tucker, comma, uh, doubt <laughs> on Google. <laughs> And, and it will all pop up for you, whichever way is easier, and we will be adding it to our comments at the end of the show. But, um, Anne, um, give us an example of, of like, someone that, that you go, wow, I, I'm so glad their light went on. Uh, their lives are different, or their team is different because of the work that we were able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, one of the examples I like to, to mention is there is, um, and, and this work, understanding your soul type and understanding how you create, how you think, how you solve problems, um, can be hugely impactful in a team environment. And, you know, uh, one time I was working with this one team and I had two guys in there that were very high up. They were both responsible for their own business units, but they needed to work together. And they really hated each other. And this is not, this is not a short time feud. This was like years where these guys had been working their way up in this company together and had just, just always really disliked each other. But they were in a place now where the company's fate depended on them and their ability to get along. And so uh, the thing that was amazing is talking with each of them and how they described each other. And I'll call one Sam and the other one Jeff. And Sam said, well, that, you know, that Jeff guy, he, he never communicates. He keeps all of his plans secret from me. He doesn't tell me what he's going to do. He never considers me or my team 
and this is all as you see that guy is just he can't he's a terrible communicator and then I go over and I talk to Jeff and he says yeah that guy Sam he's constantly micromanaging everything he's blocking everything I try to do right he's always standing in my way so this is how they see each other and what's fascinating is what they didn't understand is that they were two opposite soul types, these two guys. And they, they didn't understand that, that the way that they each come at the problem is from a totally opposite perspective. And that if they could learn to work together, they actually balanced each other. So, so Sam, uh, the guy who was accused of being the micromanager, he's the guy that I would call the coaching soul type. And his role was to, to make sure, you know, essentially he sees the best in other people, sees the best in, peop- in, in, in uh, the things that are around him and is able to do planning. His whole process is that he, was, he would like to plan things out and have a view of where he was going. So when he looked over at Jeff, he would say, well, that guy isn't showing me his plan. When I talked to, to, to Jeff, Jeff is, he is a, what I call an experience, experimenting soul. And what they do is their whole gift is to bring momentum. They start moving right away and they immediately get things rolling. And they do it by, they never actually go through a planning process at all. They come up with an idea and they start testing it immediately. So one guy's looking at the other, right? Sam's looking at Jeff saying, you don't share your plan. The truth is, is that he has no plan. There is no plan. That's not how he solves problems. He doesn't do it that way. And once I explain this to them and help them to see each other and say, no, he's not a poor communicator. He just is, he's working at this from a totally different methodology, and the way he does it has value. He can help you by bringing momentum to your plans. And I can show the other guy, and I can say, you know what, he's not micromanaging you. He's trying to, to help you communicate your ideas to everybody, and he's trying to help you to develop this out so you can plan against contingencies for the next six months, and he can help you. And once they saw this, it was like this light bulb went on where they started to see each other in a totally new light. And by the end of this, these two guys who had hated each other for years, they literally hugged. They were friends after this. It was, it was a completely life-changing experience. Oh, that's a beautiful story. That's uh, that's really great, and it makes all the difference in the in the world. Where- it really does. It really does, and it's it's fascinating when you look at um, understanding soul types, and and you know I talk about the seven different soul types, and they have. Um, they can succeed and excel in every aspect of life. There have been, every soul type has been in the White House. You know, there are CEOs that are every single soul type. There isn't one that's better than another. Every soul type is bringing something different to the party. They're all bringing something really, really valuable. But the key is understanding what that value is and then, and then understanding also the context and the environment where your particular gift, the gift of your soul type can really shine. So if you look at, I love to look at um, uh, uh, businesses or industries, families where they, you know, they were uh, where there was a founder and it was multi generational, right? Where there was a, a you know a founder and then a successor, and what happened to the business over time? Because I think it shows beautifully. It illustrates the difference of soul types. So, and one of those is the uh, the Vanderbilt family. That if you look way back when you've heard of the Vanderbilts, they're one of the original, you know, amazing tycoons, the railroad tycoons, you know, of, of our country, of the United States. And they're starting back 
um, uh, the original Vanderbilt with this guy, he was called the Commodore, um, and he, that was his nickname, but we called him the Commodore, Cornelius Vanderbilt, and he started out with nothing, and he was what I call an expressive soul. He was the one that was like the guy I told you that experiments, right? He just immediately, gift of momentum, he can get things started like nobody's business. He started with nothing, borrowed money from his mother, started running a raft up and down the river carrying other people's goods, and started essentially a shipping service, and then he would, he developed this trip where he would play chicken with people, where he would go to other shipping routes. He would start running traffic on those shipping routes and undercut everybody's prices. And he would undercut it until he tried to either put them out of business. They would either, he would either take over the route or they would buy him out. And his same trick of playing chicken, just running at something and playing chicken, he did it over and over and over again. He grew from shipping into railroads and grew into this incredible, incredibly huge business, right? Grew it from nothing. At the beginning of, the beginning of it all, he grew it up to be this massive business, hugely successful. And, but he didn't like his son. His poor son, William, was totally different from him, and Cornelius thought that William would never succeed at doing his business because there was no way that William could play chicken the way that he did. So he thought, well, I know the one way that's going to make business work, and William can't do it, so William is a loser. And he branded him a loser, and he sent him out onto a farm in the middle of nowhere and ignored him. But once Cornelius died... Then William came into power, and William took over the business. And at this point, the business had changed. It had grown to the point where all of a sudden railroads were being regulated. There was labor unions. There was striking, right? And William was a coaching soul. William was the one who has all this diplomatic ability, the ability to work with people, to build relationships. And he, yeah, he couldn't play chicken, but he came in when the business needed him, and he was able to, to form such strong relationships with his workers. He was the only railroad. All the other railroads went on strike. His didn't. He was the only one who was able to keep peace with his railroads, or with his, with his workers. So under William, his business, he literally doubled his fortune and became the, the wealthiest man in the country. And, and what's fascinating is if you look at these two men over time, they each were in a position where they were able to express their gifts, the right circumstances, the right timing, right? If they had traded places, if they had done Freaky Friday and, and were in each other's places, they would have completely failed because they didn't have the skills or the gifts required for that environment. But to me, it really illustrates the, the importance of understanding what is your, your specific soul type, what is your gift that you're bringing, and, and where, do, where can you apply it most strongly. Right. Um, well, we have a couple of questions and we have a couple of minutes. So um, one of the things is that um, one of our, our uh, audience members is saying, um, do you know what type JFK was? Because he, he truly was a game changer. Oh, my gosh. That's a, it's a great question. I haven't done JFK. I can tell you going back and tell you that um, uh, what, different, what different leaders were, but I haven't actually looked at what his style was. Um, right. Well, so, yeah. um, we're going to have um, Ann Tucker on our show again, and we'll we'll find that out. And that would be fun for us to look that at. That would be um, some of our our modern day heroes: uh, JFK, uh, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, or Saint Teresa, and those kind of things. Um, the other question that uh, someone is asking us is: How do you find uh, the right mentor uh, so you can really work through the fear? I want to say that because you're asking that question, your process has already started. That would be what I would say. The other thing is only look for a mentor that's already exemplifying and living what you're wanting to become. Because that's always, to me, a cautionary, you know, is that um, you, you see people out teaching a lot of different things that they haven't 
they're not necessarily modeling it. So make sure the person you're seeking is modeling, you know, where you want to be and where, where you want to go. And um, you want to add to that, Anne? Yeah, I would invite them to, to go to my website, wisdomsoup.com, um, because of the idea of wisdomsoup.com is to, to help people uh, work through what I call a five-step process to speed up serendipity. So it, it, it takes you through over a period of 12 months through the whole process of helping you to find your own internal guidance. Um, and so and I'm introducing you to different teachers in each month that are experts in each area. So it's a really great way if you're in that process of trying to figure out what to do next or how to get connected, how to get on your path, this process will give you a huge boost. It, it's essentially it makes your path much more efficient. So there's more information on the website. It's wisdomsoup.com. Well, thank you so much, Ann Tucker, for being with us today. And thank you, all of you, for being with us. I'm just always amazed at how quickly this hour goes um, because it just passes so quickly. Um, thanks to all of you who make this show what it is. Thank you for sharing the video with your friends and your family and your connections. It, um, I really appreciate it. I, I bless you. I behold all the greatness within all of you. Uh, that you are each and every one of you, that you are undoubtedly awesome. There's no doubt about it. Thank you for everything. I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you on this amazing journey that we call life. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Peace in the presence of conflict. Love in the presence of hatred. Forgiveness in the presence of injury. These words are easy to say. It's challenging, though, to live them in everyday life. After all, I can make my words and actions peaceful, but I have no control over the words and actions of others. That's true, but think about it. If you, then I, then others, one by one, responded in love in every situation, 
The effect would be like the wave you see spread across a sports stadium. It would go on and on, gaining momentum as it moved through the people around us. I can let peace begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. At Metaphysical Rock 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. formless yet takes many forms what goes around comes around chant the name of the lord and be free no one comes to the father except through me ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions join reverend paul john roach every tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions using discussions interviews humor insight and practical advice we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another that's world spirituality with paul john roach tuesdays at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern here on unity fm the voice of an awakening world Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together. <laughs> 